Meeting the people in your community. Here's Lisa Kay with Talk of the Town. Back in the KTOE studio, it's Talk of the Town today. And my guest back in the chair, Rachel Hannell, one of our local authors and professors and... Uh, Everything books, I think about you when it comes up. I'm so excited your book is out. Me too. Uh, number two. Yeah, number two. It's been uh, 23 years. So this is, <laughs> I'm very happy to have yeah, it out. 23 years. Okay. Yeah. Have you watched this kaleidoscope that's on uh, Netflix yet? It's a, it's a story. 23 years in the making, 24 years in the making. It's about a heist. Oh, so great. It's, it's not like the book was 24 years, 23 years yeah. in the making. Yeah. Not the Camilla we knew. One woman's path from small town America to the Symbionese Liberation Army. When did the book come out? So the book came out just in December. So it's been out officially about a month. I was telling people you should get it for a holiday gift. Stick I, it under the tree. Yeah, it, if if people want an uplifting story of death and destruction <laughs> <laughs> for the holidays. Well, you know, um, it was a really interesting uh, story. I, I read the book and uh, I got an early copy of it, which I had a couple people a little bit jealous mm-hmm. about. Um, but why 23 years? Yeah. Why that long? There's just so many factors that go into that. Um, I mean, for one thing, as you mentioned, this is my second book. So mm-hmm. I had a memoir that came out in 2013. Give us the name. Uh, we'll I... be the last ones to let you down. Memoir of a Gravedigger's Daughter. Mm-hmm. And so along with work and life and everything, I mean, I don't have a ton of time to be working on a book project. Right. So actually, when I was writing the memoir, I mean, th- this Camilla book was also on the side, on the side in process, but it's like, well, I can only focus on one thing at a time. So by the time the memoir came out in 2013, then I could really put more focus to this book. Do you have another book on the side of, that you were working on with this one? I do not. Okay. No. So this one had my full attention. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Camilla Hall mm-hmm. and who she was. Yeah. Um, because where did you first get the the itch to write this book? Mm-hmm. The thought. Yeah. So I say twenty three years because I saw first saw her picture in nineteen ninety nine. It was in a newspaper article. And I'm sure people who live around here, they probably remember that time when Sarah Jane Olson was arrested in St. Paul mm-hmm. for her role in the SLA. Kathleen Solia. Ka- Kathleen Solia. Yep. yep. Or it was her, was that was her given name. That was her given name. Yep. She changed it to Sarah Jane Olson. Yes, exactly. So she was underground for 24 years mm-hmm. and then finally was arrested in 99. But in the newspaper articles about her, there was a kind of a side article just with the history of the SLA and Camilla's picture was in the newspaper there with just a little bit of information that said that she had grown up in St. Peter. And I thought, what? You know, I'd never heard of her. Right near us? Yeah, right near us. And I thought, oh my gosh, because if you look at that picture of her, she just looks not like I would think a domestic terrorist to look. She's blonde. She looked like a librarian kind of, Yeah, exactly. You know, so I just thought, wow, there has to be a story here. Like, how did she go from minister's daughter in St. Peter to California getting wrapped up in this crazy, crazy radical group. And ultimately losing her life. And dying. And dying. Yes. Dying because of it. Before. And then she passed away back in... It was 74. 74. Yeah, May of 1974. So you took that little tiny piece of an article and created the book. Yeah. And what did you... I don't know whether to start small or large. What did you (laughs) learn from this? Yeah. I learned, I mean, really the ultimate takeaway is that she was just a 
complicated, complex person. Uh, so if you read media reports at the time, they're, they're very stereotypical. You know, uh, she, she was a lesbian. So there was a lot, you know, she was a militant lesbian, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of labeled with this one thing. Um, but clearly she was a whole person and so right. much more than that. And there were just so many factors, I think, in her life that led her to to the end and that it wasn't just any one thing that that made her join. It was like a lifetime of decisions and experiences. Right. And if you talk about her lifetime, when you read the book, you'll you'll start at the very beginning because mm-hmm. her, her parents, her family is an interesting story in and of itself because she was the last surviving child yeah. of four children. Yeah. George and Lorena Hall had four children and two of them died really quite young. And then it was Camilla and her sister, Nan. And then Nan died when she was 15. Camilla was 17 at the time. So by the time she's a senior in high school, she's the only child left mm-hmm. and then she dies you know in the right. SLA and I just think about oh those poor parents the parents that were left behind how many years did they oh another live? 20 years okay they lived beyond Camilla so when you were doing your research what kind of things did you find out about her um, as far as how do you go from small town St. Peter yeah. to perishing in, it, a, it, in a gunfire with yeah, police right well, I think that she was she was always looking for some kind of ideal, I think, or some kind of utopia. You know, she did start out in Minnesota. She went to college here and started working here um, in social work and then went to California. So it's like she was always trying to chase something, kind mm-hmm. of like an ideal way of life. So I think in many ways she was um, idealistic. Okay. Do you think it was chasing um, maybe belonging to something as well? I think so. Yeah. Um, just with her, her sibling deaths, um, it just yeah. seemed like she was just maybe always looking for a place to belong or, or people that she, you know, could have something in common with. And the way that you went about the research must have been a little bit frustrating because there is only so much available. Um, there were some letters that her, mm-hmm. her, her uh, uh, memoir that her father had yep. written yep. Um, after his wife passed away mm-hmm. and then some letters that mm-hmm. were still available from her back to parents, but yep. none of that really led to, like, pointed at, she's heading this direction. Yeah, exactly. Um, the letters um, are very, uh, I don't know what you would call them, they're, they're very surface-oriented, very yeah. much like, here's what I'm doing, and, you know, kind of here's a little diary of my life that n- they don't really go into any kind of deep revelatory, you know, into her mindset. Feeling. Yeah, yeah. feelings, but... I do think that there were some letters out there toward the end of her life. Uh, you know, by the end of 1973, she is getting with people who are in the SLA and mm-hmm. really kind of turning that route. Um, and that her parents had destroyed some letters because they knew at some point the FBI was going to be coming around. Sure. So I think that that they did have a hint at the very, very end of where she was going, but mm-hmm. those letters are no longer with us. Right. And so how, how do you, as a researcher and an author then, go about when you when you hit one of those dead ends mm-hmm. of where do I go now? Yeah. You know, it's, it's um, a little bit speculative. So I do write creative nonfiction. And mm-hmm. so if you read the book, you know, there there are points where I just have to take all of this evidence I have and just do some speculation. So based on this idea that 
her siblings have died. And based on this idea that she's kind of always searching for something, you know, what what maybe <laughs> was she thinking at, at any one point? And so I do kind of make those imaginative leaps. That was really interesting for me in reading the book where I, I ended up on pages or paragraphs where I was like, really? Wow. OK. She, and then I think, well, how does she know that she, Yes. She okay. This is this is Rachel doing her author mm-hmm. thing. Yep, that's right. <laughs> and it was so interesting because it all just flowed together so well, and you end up being able to tell that story with kind of minimal um, information. Yeah, but, and and nothing's definitive either. I mean, right. Camilla is the only person who could ever tell us why why she did what she did. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and even her parents, if they were alive, you know, they they wouldn't know either. So. I think people can read the book and, you know, I don't come to any conclusion saying this is exactly why this happened. And I think people can read the book and come up to their own conclusions or or completely, you know, disagree with me if they want. Um, I hope that I I kept it kind of more open like that. Yeah, I didn't feel like I disagreed with anything. I can (laughs) totally see how how one thing would have led to the other. Um, And chapter 15, you have crumbs on the trail, Mm -hmm. Um, how well we can know someone, even the person closest to us. So, so we let's talk a little bit about like her her family if even if they knew did they really know we, exactly you know i before we went on the air we talked a little bit about how um what do we say to people mm-hmm. how do we there's a lot that's kept quiet there's a lot that we don't say even to our family that's close to us yeah absolutely and what i see in her story is just so many parallels to today because now you know we are facing another time period in our country where people are angry and mm-hmm. they're frustrated with the government and sometimes they are taking these actions to do things and family members are like what just happened you know we had no idea we had no idea they felt this way you know just kind of the shock and surprise Who that somebody they? would yeah. go do something like this i just think of the situation where you know the, there was a plot to kidnap the michigan governor yes and uh, somebody was just sentenced there and the family was like this is this is nothing like him like we were completely blown away that he would have participated in something like this and then the media puts that out there and us that consume the media are like oh come on you must have seen something yeah. you must have seen something right but yeah, so maybe not. People people are complicated. Uh, speaking of being complicated, the what you had said earlier about her looking maybe for some idealism, some belonging somewhere, um, there has to be a point of contact to get into the SLA. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, they're not going to just take anybody. Right. Um, and so she had met somebody mm-hmm. and uh, had a relationship with that person. Yep. Yep. So her entry point was a woman named uh, Patricia Ms. Moon, Solta Six. So she had changed her name to Ms. Moon. So Camilla met her right away when she moved to Berkeley in 1971. Ms. Moon was living in an, uh, the next apartment mm-hmm. in the same building. And so they met and quickly developed a close friendship and then became lovers. And so they had kind of an on and off relationship for a couple of years. Uh, so by 1973, early in 1973, they did break up. So it's still a little unclear as to what point in later 1973 that they would have become in contact again. Um, But Ms. Moon was definitely one of the architects of the SLA. So at some point she gets back in touch with Camilla and leads her in. Right. Can we talk, and and maybe this is a backpedal for some people that don't know what the SLA Mm -hmm. is, what they did, Patty Hearst, all of this. Yes. Yes. So SLA, the Symbionese Liberation Army, they were really um, one of the the last of the new left groups to come out of the 1960s and early 1970s. 
um, you know, with the protest movement against the war and against, you know, racial inequality and social inequality. But by the 1970s, a lot of that mainstream protest had faded. But what popped up were these small, like really radical and violent groups because mm-hmm. they still were not satisfied with right. the state of things. And so they're thinking, well, now we need to take up violence to to get some attention here. So the SLA um, was one of those groups. And uh, so when she became a part of that, she had never been violent up until that point. And Not in a, fact, some people had called her a pacifist. Absolutely. You know? I mean, it just shocked almost everyone that she knew. And she didn't buy her gun until it was January 2nd, 1974. So after so like she had after she was already in. after she had made the decision to join, like, oh, guess I better buy a gun now. <laughs> and right, and uh, the whole story of how she walks into the gun shop and she's there purchasing the gun is is in the book as well. Uh, then was that before the kidnapping, or it ab- was just a month before the kidnapping? Okay, so let's talk about the kidnapping mm-hmm. of Patty Hearst, which is um, kind of an unfortunate byproduct of of this, where most of people listening will recognize mm-hmm. the name Patty Hearst. Absolutely, she's the famous newspaper heiress. Yeah, I mean it. It was a huge deal. I mean, when you talk in terms of of news events, I mean that this Hearst, you know, this daughter of this Hearst family gets kidnapped by a radical organization. I mean, of course, it just grabbed headlines. Um, So she was kidnapped in February 1974. And then there's that whole, you know, kind of speculation that did she really become a part of the group or was she brainwashed and all of that? But she was with the SLA for a year and a half until the FBI caught up with them. And it's Camilla was actually in was the car behind yes, the kidnapping yep, car. Yeah, one of the yeah one of the cars in the convoy. So she was there, mm-hmm. and she was our, so she's bought in already. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Even though uh, parts of the book talk about how she really didn't feel like uh, Patty. I think it was it Patty that wrote something that said she really didn't seem like she belonged there. Yeah, yeah. So Patty Hearst wrote her own memoir and I mean you can take it with a a grain of salt of course she wants to get her side of the story out there but she does write about Camilla and and yes is very clear about this person seems really like an an outsider seems like not part of the group she certainly is not even mentioned very much in Patty Hearst's book and so uh, that's part of the way that you did some research is Mm -hmm. by taking every little aspect and following it and trying to puzzle piece it together definitely it's like data triangulation right is there was there a point in time where you got so frustrated that you like that you put it down and like i can't i I can't because yeah no i mean i even though it took so long and there were times where i just had to put it aside just by default because i was working on other things like i always really felt like the story wanted to get out there you know and so and i and i recognized it as a dramatic story that Mm -hmm. people would be interested in so I guess I always felt motivated that way and there are parts that kind of it it stays within the storyline but it also is educational when you really talk about how families operate because the the surface level Mm -hmm. that went back and forth between her in her letters to her parents and her most people that you had spoken with were like or that you had done research on, or like, oh no, she was a happy, cheerful. Yeah. This is what she presented to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do we present to the world? And you kind of went off on this little like we um, here in the Midwest. It's written especially in families who have their roots like the Halls with uh, Stoic Northern European countries. Um, 
cultures of value and independence, making your own way through life, dealing with your problems on your own. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what she was doing. Absolutely. And, you know, there's parts of the book, too, where I use my my own background and my own experiences Mm -hmm. to try to help explain her, too, because, uh, you know, that's a really central piece of my memoir as well. That this memoir is about death and and dying and grief and how that was something that just you were to keep really quiet and like you said deal with it on your own you weren't just projecting your problems out to everyone that that would listen right which you know today with our social media (laughs) that's what we do (laughs) that's what we do here's my garbage um i know i I love that when you you were talking about the loss of your own father Mm -hmm. um because i recognize that with the loss of my own father too so i was right there with you in the book um and how when we experience death like that of a parent, or I suppose even in, in George's case where yeah. he experienced the death of all of his children. Exactly. And then his wife. Yeah. You know, how do we handle that? Um, talk a little bit about the way that the media handles this and how you approached that with all of the, it seems like a lot of uh, attention would go to Patty Hearst oh, and all of that because of the name and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, taking a look at, Camilla and not just vilifying her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're in the media. I was in the media. Like, we know how it works. You know, you don't have a lot of time. You have a short little article or you have just a little bit of clip of audio. 20 minutes of radio. (laughs) Yeah, four minutes left, Rachel. (laughs) Precisely. Yeah. So there's only so much you can say, right? So it makes sense that, that the stories about her were very... Um, like I had said earlier, stereotypical and very surface level that I knew that there was much more to her than what the media would have presented. Right. And so getting in touch with all of the people that knew her uh, that are still with us, mm-hmm. and you even got in touch with Sarah Jane Olson yeah. to try to fi- figure out like what would, because they didn't know each other. They did not know each other. What would drive somebody yep. to? Yep. And any answers from her? Yeah, just a uh, really informative talk. You know, that was just such a neat experience. I'd visited her in, in prison. She was still serving her right. sentence at that time. That was in 2008. And um, she was just still so passionate, you know, like so passionate about injustice and unfairness, you know, even to this day. So in, in that way, that was really informative just to see that it wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. Oh, I'm going to join this group. Right. You know, like, like I think the people who were in the SLA really did embody that Kind of passion, right, right. Even even if it was violent, and yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. If um, what was your big takeaway from writing this, and what do you want us to get from it? Well, you know, one thing that really came to me as I was putting the finishing touches on it, um, which was in the summer of 2020, <laughs> um, that at at no other point when I was working on the book did it feel so relevant. You know, it really felt like, oh, that was history. That was in the past. Right. And then I'm finishing it in 2020 and then 2021 and the Capitol insurrection. And I thought, wow, like suddenly this story has so much parallel to what's going on today. Mm. So I hope that people, you know, of course, if you're interested in history, I think you'll like this book. But I think if you're just interested in what's going on today, that that this can be maybe enlightening. Right. And why? Mm -hmm. It's very, very valid. Very valid. Not the Camilla we knew. One Woman's Path from Small Town America to the Symbionese Liberation Army, Rachel Hannell's latest book. Uh, Where do we get it? How do we follow you? What's coming up next? You can get it anywhere. 
anywhere books are sold. Um, actually, right now, if if you find me on social media, which I'm all over social media, um, it's 40- you're busy. You're busy. I'm right busy. Now. Yeah. yeah, but it's forty percent off through the publisher through March first. Oh, so good. there's that little piece of it. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. I have a website, just rachelhandle.com. I'll put that in the show notes underneath this. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. I know you normally have you in to talk about the, the book festival. Yes, I will be doing that again. Is that when, When's the next one coming up? Well, we have the virtual festival on March 4th. Okay, so you'll be in soon. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I need to come in again for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just absolutely. need to have my own show here, right? Come on in. You're welcome anytime. I'll turn the microphone on. We got 20 minutes, right? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Not the Camilla we knew. Rachel Hannell in on Talk of the Town today. It's so good to see you. Congratulations on the next Thank book. you so much for having me.